So now I don't want to talk to you about what to do when your prayers go unanswered. How many just prayed some things that still hadn't happened, nothing seems to have happened yet, all right? Well, let me go ahead and lay this foundation out for you. God answers every prayer we pray immediately, immediately. He says yes, no, or wait. And we're, again, part of that Western civilization that we've been trained that if God didn't answer right when I prayed, he didn't answer, then he didn't hear me. Uh, he didn't answer. He may have said no. And just Americans don't like being told no. And he may have said wait, and we sure aren't the most patient people in the world. And so I want to talk to you tonight on what to do when your prayers go Unanswered. Are we going to be using the big screen with the scripture? All right, so I'm going to use a lot of scripture tonight, but I'm just going to interpret some of it. But the main text that I want to pull from tonight, we're going to have on the screen. Read it with me. It says, Then Job answered and said, Even today, my complaint is bitter. He's talking to God. Has anybody had some bitter complaints to God? Like, you know, I asked for this and you've done this or didn't do this. And I'm not too happy right now. Come on, anybody? My hand is heavy in spite of my groanings. If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say to me. Would he vigorously oppose me? No, he would not press charges against me. There the upright can establish their innocence before him, and there I would be delivered forever from my judge. But if I go to the east, I can't find him. He's not there. If I go to the west, I can't find him there either. When he's worked to the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Job was in that condition that we're talking about tonight on what do you do when your prayers go unanswered because Job was crying out to God in a very uh, perilous time in his life and he and Job really put it like this. He said, I, 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 need, I want an appointment with God because there's some things going on in my world that I don't understand. I'm living as best I know how. I'm praying as hard as I know how to pray. I'm in the word as hard as I know how to get in the word. I'm bringing my offering to God. I'm doing everything. I'm serving at the church. I'm, I'm giving hours of sacrifice. I'm doing everything I know to do right. And yet I'm praying and I'm seeing nothing happen at all. Job said, I've got a complaint. I've got some arguments that I want to bring to God. Some things that I need answers to. He said, my complaint is bitter. My stroke is heavy. He said, I would fill my mouth with arguments. I have something I would really like to say to God if he would just give me the audience and the chance to do it. I look here and I look there, but I cannot find him. I can't find him, but my only hope is he knows where I am. And I'm just thankful tonight that regardless of how you feel, God knows right where you're at tonight. And so... Though we as Christians may not be quick to criticize God, we dare not go there, we oftentimes find ourselves questioning God. That I won't criticize him for his actions, but I oftentimes find myself questioning his actions because they make no logical sense to me. 
And how many's found this out in your Christian journey that spiritual things usually don't make a lot of sense in the natural realm? And we find ourselves asking God, what in the world is going on? So what do I do when my prayers go unanswered? Number one, we don't have pass out notes. If you wanna write these down, you can. Number one is do not take matters in your own hand. Because isn't that our natural instinct? Well, if God doesn't fix it, I'll take care of it myself. Come on, somebody. If God doesn't do it, I mean, I'm gonna give God three days, and if he hadn't showed up, then I'll have that meeting myself with them, and I'll solve all their issues. And the first rule is when God doesn't seem to be interested in your situation, or he's not showing up on your timetable, or he's not doing the things, because aren't we really guilty of this? Come on, help me in here tonight that really many of our prayers is not asking God to do something, it's telling him how to do it. Like, God, I really need you to do this, and what we're really doing is going, here's how you do it, God, step one, two, three, and if you'll get my advice and use it, you'll get this thing straightened out real quick. But you're not the first one to feel like that, because Job did like two, and God stuck his head through the clouds one day and cleared his throat and went, <clears> hmm, <throat> Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth and when did I ever need to come down and ask you for counsel? I've got this, I just need you to trust me. And we've gotta be careful that we don't take matters in our own hands and I don't have time to go through all the scripture but in Genesis 13, and you can write them down, 13, 14 through 16 and 15, one through six, God visited Abram and Sarah Abram was 75 years old and Sarah was 65 years old and God visited them. Sarah had not been able to bear children. She was barren in her womb up to that point and God said, through you, Abraham, I'm gonna bless the nations of the earth and your descendants, through you, I'm gonna begin a family, a nation, and through you, your family lineage is gonna grow so large that it will outnumber the stars of the sky or the sands of the sea. And Sarah laughed at God and said, are you crazy, God? I'm 65 years old. That ain't happening. And we, we see here that she laughs at God and, and they're in a mockery of God. And, and then we see in Genesis 16, one through six, that 10 years have gone by. And, and they've already had the baby's room set up and they've got everything ready and, and they're gonna have this baby and that baby don't show up. That baby doesn't come. There's dust on the bed. The, the, it's not happening. What's wrong? God didn't answer his prayer. God didn't answer his promise. And Sarah gets anxious and she goes and takes her maid, Hagar, and she takes her to Abram and says, Look, I'm, my womb is barren, but hers is not. And God's not doing what he said he would do. So we'll take matters in our own hand and you have sexual relations with my maid Hagar and let's get that son that God promised and let's start this lineage thing that he declared was gonna be ours. And Abraham laid with Hagar and they had a child named Ishmael. And isn't it amazing that the name Ishmael means and God hears? Because Ishmael was a reminder to Abram and Sarah that God heard their prayer from the very beginning but they weren't willing to wait for the answer. 
And we see here that then Abram brings Ishmael to God and goes, look, okay, we made a mistake. We got ahead of you, but let's let him be that chosen son that the generations are gonna now follow. And God said, absolutely not, because he's not the heir that I promised you. I promised you a son with you and Sarah. And what happened was Abraham and Sarah wasn't willing to wait because 10 years went by. How many besides me has got some prayers that you've continued to pray for years and years and you've yet to see your answer? And how many would join me and say, there's a temptation to go take care of it myself when I don't see God showing up on my timetable? And we've got to be very, very careful tonight that when our prayers seem to go unanswered, understand that they're not going unanswered. They're just not being answered our way and on our timetable. Because I don't know about you, but God, I'm glad God said no to some of my requests. Because I'd be broke or in jail tonight. Sometimes he does say no, and we're just not used to that. Because we're used to getting our way. And then we've got to come and understand that he said, when we're tested. When we're tested, not tempted. God doesn't tempt man, he tests man. Satan tempts man to sin. God tests man to find out where his faith is at. God says, when we're tested, when you go through that waiting period and you stay faithful to my word and to my promises and you endure through that time of testing, he said, you'll come out as gold. And the right answer is gonna come into your life at the right time, but don't get ahead of me. You wait on my spirit because my word's gonna perform what I sent it to do. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Number two, you with me? So, so whether it's your marriage, whether it's your finances, your relationships, your ministry, your career, whatever area of your life that you're praying for and in is don't take matters in your own hand. I've watched people do that in business. I've watched people do that. I've watched people leave the church and chase money and now they're not serving God and they never should have got out of the church and, and they got out of that family security and that, that spiritual environment, chasing that career. And, I, and I'm all about being blessed and careers and an entrepreneur attitude and spirit and, and, and God wants you blessed, but when you take matters in your own hand because you're not seeing God show up on your timetable, how many of us have made some bad decisions doing that? And boy, have we paid for it. Number two, is understand that delays are not denials. Understand that delays are not denials. Because God doesn't come immediately and respond to your cry doesn't mean he's not coming. Sometimes he has something better in mind than what you and I are believing for. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were being thrown into that fiery furnace, I've heard preachers say they were standing there and going, well, thank you, Jesus, you chose us. That's a bunch of garbage. They were saying, save us from this fire. And Jesus said, no, I don't wanna save you from it, but I would like to get in it with you because if I save you from it, they'll just say that that's coincidental, but if I get in it with you, the whole nation's gonna bow down and worship me. He could have saved Daniel from a lion's den, but he had a better idea. How about I get in that lion's den with him? And the king and the whole nation will bow down and worship me. And we've got to come and understand that when our prayers go unanswered, realize tonight that delays are not denials. In, in John chapter 11, you know the story if you've been in church long about a man named Nazareth, or, or Lazarus, not Nazareth, Lazarus. 
And he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And the Bible says this Mary, whose brother now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. You, you know the story where she was criticized for that because she had this very expensive perfume. And this is that Mary that's going to call out on God. The same Mary that took that, that, that was the thing that was of most value that she possessed, this perfume was the most valuable thing she possessed. And instead of selling it and making herself money, she went and met Jesus and took that valuable perfume and poured it over his feet and took her hair and began to wipe his feet with her hair. And all the religious people were criticizing her, going, what's wrong with you, Mary? That's expensive stuff. You shouldn't be just putting that on the feet of Jesus. That's your resource. That's the type of person that's calling out to Jesus, not somebody that had never showed him any affection or any attention. This is the Mary that's calling out to him. And, and, and the Bible says, so the sisters went word, sent word to Jesus, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love, Lord, the one you love is sick. So, so get the picture tonight. Here's the one woman that put the most expensive thing she had on the feet of Jesus to bring honor to him. Do you think that that's the lady God might listen to when she prays? That he might go, oh, that's Mary? Yeah, what did you want, Mary? I'll be right there. Because why nobody else was willing to make that kind of sacrifice, you were. Nobody else honored me like that, Mary. You did, so I'm going to immediately respond when you call. Said that she cried out to him. and She said, Lord, the one who you love is sick. As the Bible said, Jesus loved Lazarus. Here's what happened. When he heard this, so what does that mean? He heard her, right? You with me? Come on, respond back. This is Wednesday night. You can talk back to me, all right? How many gets it? He heard her. He heard the woman who gave the greatest sacrifice of them all there to show her love for him. He heard her when she cried out to him. So when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. Back to the lesson that we taught Sunday on the whole gospel. God's saying, I'm in this. This sickness is not unto death, but I'm allowing this sickness because I'm going to be glorified through it. And we're not promoting sickness. We're just saying, walk out the journey and then you'll get your miracle. But sometimes it takes us down some roads that we don't understand. And he says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he got the news, the one you love, he's dying, he's sick. We need you to come right now, Jesus. When he heard that, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, now let's go down to Judea. He delayed his response. And here's why he did that. Jesus was in Judea. The religious Pharisees came to him and said, who are you? And he said, I'm the son of God. And they immediately in their religiosity wanted to put him to death and stone him to death. And Jesus had to flee and go across the Jordan River to save his life. And he's on the other side of the Jordan River. There's a death threat against Jesus now in Judea. 
And so he's being called back to Judea because they're over there, the religious people over there going, he said he's somebody he's not. He claimed to be the son of God and there's no way he's the son of God. And if you see him again, you arrest him because we're gonna put him to death. So Jesus went to respond to Mary's cry. He's gotta come back and put himself back in danger's way. And so he said, I've gotta find a way to convince these people that I am the son of God. Delays are not always denial. Don't take matters in your own hand because God said this thing's working out for the glory of the Son of God. So Jesus hangs around two extra days after he hears the request to make sure that Lazarus is dead because he's got a better idea in the making. So when Jesus comes back across the Jordan, he comes back into Judea, Lazarus has been dead for four days. He sees Mary and he approaches, I mean Martha, and he approaches her and here was her response. Lord, if you had come when we called you. And he speaks to her and he says, Martha, this sickness is not unto death. And she said, I understand that. I know that he will rise in the resurrection of the dead. And Jesus responded back, to, don't you understand? I am the resurrection and the life. I've still got this, even though you don't see it and understand it now. And so then he goes and he sees Mary. And Mary's walking toward the tomb of Lazarus. He's been dead for four days. And he sees Mary and she's crying. And the Bible said when she saw Jesus, she looked at him and she said, if you had come when we called you, if you had answered us at the moment we called you, you could have saved him, Jesus, but you didn't answer when we called you. The Bible said Jesus had compassion on her tears and had sympathy on her. And he said, now's the time. He said, where have you laid him? And she said, he's in that tomb right over there. Jesus said, roll the stone away, open the door of that tomb. Then Jesus spoke to the dead man and called death in reverse. And that grave, the Bible says, is only known give, 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 give. The grave only knows give, and it takes, and it takes, and it takes. And for the first time, that grave heard, give up. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. The Bible said a man began to leap in his bedclothes out of that grave. And you know the story that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But he didn't do it on their time frame. And why did he do it that way? Because all of those doubters were just made believers. He is the Son of God. And Jesus had already proclaimed that in their prayer, didn't he? He said, this sickness is not unto death, but that the Son of God might be glorified in it. And you and I need to understand that we see right now, we see temporal right now, we see instant right now when God sees eternal. And he's looking at a whole picture and we're only dealing with one piece of the puzzle. Come on, folks, help me in here. Y'all are quiet tonight. We only see our situation right now. Boy, we need an immediate response, God. And if you come right now when we're calling you, the doctors only gave us 24 more hours. You're under a time frame, God. The doctor said, when did the doctor's report override his report? The banker told me, when did the banker override your provider? Well, the counselor said, my marriage, when did a man's knowledge override God's foolishness? 
Delays are not denials. So don't give up when he doesn't show up on your time frame and then take matters in your own hands because you're gonna make a bigger mess than the mess you're asking God to get you out of right now. Number three, y'all with me? Is this helping you? Just some basic teaching tonight. Number three is recognize there's often demonic resistance to your prayer. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spirit of wickedness in heavenly places. We're in a spiritual battle, folks. Have you figured that one out? We're in spiritual warfare tonight. And Daniel, we see the story of Daniel in Daniel chapter 10, 10 through 13. We see the scripture here and and, and Daniel has fasted and prayed for 21 days. Daniel's been in a fasting time and a praying time and nothing happened. And, and we see here all of a sudden that, that God comes in and he speaks to Daniel. He sends an angel to Daniel and, and here it is, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and my knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Daniel is one of three people in the Bible that had not one flaw mentioned against their character. He's crying out to God. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day, say first day. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and humble yourself before God, your words were heard. The first time you prayed, Daniel, God heard you. The first time you prayed, your words were heard in heaven. And I have come to respond to them, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. The prince of the king of Persia is a demonic stronghold that sat over the country of Persia. And what he's telling Daniel is the first moment that you prayed, God heard your prayer and he released your answer through me. Come on, how many here believes in angels? If you don't, we'll do another teaching on that. Because heaven has assigned angels on your behalf. Come on, somebody, say thank you, Jesus, for my guardian angels. Amen. You didn't know it, but there was a car supposed to run that red light and take you out this week, but there was an angel watching over you. You didn't know it, but there was a thief that was going to try to break in your house and bring harm to you, but there was a soldier outside your bedroom window in the spirit, and he couldn't come into your house. Come on, somebody in here. I said, they're, they're, the angels of heaven are guarding over us, and, and there's spiritual battles going on out there. And, and God said, dude, I heard your prayer, Daniel. I heard it. But the moment I released your answer, the spirit, that, that angel Persia, he, he came and he resisted and he fought me. And we've been in a battle for 21 days. I've been in a war against this prince of darkness. I've been in a war to get to you with the answer. With this, this prince of darkness has come against me. And I want to say to you today, when you're praying and you don't see God answering immediately in the way you think he ought to answer, you need to sit back and begin to pray a little bit. Begin to clear the word of God and keep on praying and keep on believing and understand that you're in a spiritual battle tonight. And there's demonic forces that don't want your marriage healed. There's demonic forces 
forces that doesn't want your finances blessed. There's demonic forces that want to keep you in poverty and sickness and disease. There's demonic forces that want to keep you in discouragement and defeat. There's demonic forces that want to keep you ill and wants to make you die. There's demonic forces out there today that are trying to hold back every answer that God has for you. And you and I need to realize today that we're in a battle, but our weapons aren't carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of the stronghold of our enemy. And we've got to realize today, when you feel like giving up and quitting, that's when you need to get your worship on. That's when you need to get your TV in your hands, if that's all you can do. That's when you need to get a little lift in your heart and begin to declare that my weapons aren't carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of the stronghold of my enemy. And realize today, and I preached it here, when the walls of Jericho come down, they said, get out that silver trumpet. It represents redemption. It represents a man would pay a half a shekel of silver in the Old Testament to make redemption for his soul. He said, get out that ram's horn. It represented the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the animal. He said, get out your redemption. Get out that power of the Holy Spirit and realize that our weapons aren't carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of the stronghold of our enemy. And you begin to declare the salvation of your children. You begin to speak forth the salvation of your family. You begin to declare things as though they are, even though they're not right yet. You begin to speak forth and declare God's blessing and favor in your life. Look in that mirror. I don't care how bad it is. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored in the Lord. His goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. You begin to understand that I'm not fighting this thing in the flesh. I have no chance if the battle's in the flesh. But when you move it to the spirit realm, I understand today when I don't know how to pray, he's praying for me, making intercession on my behalf to the Father that the will of God will take place in my life. When you're so down, you can't pick yourself up. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Uh, he's come said, my grace is sufficient for you. And we come and realize today that in the midst of our seeking, our asking, our requesting, there's a spiritual battle going on to hold back our answer. But you stay faithful to God. Don't take matters in your own hand. Understand delays aren't denial. There's a spiritual battle going on in your prayer life right now. Come on, folks. Y'all with me? Number four. Number four is don't give up in despair, but get desperate in prayer. I'm going to challenge you as a pastor tonight. Many of us in here need to enhance our prayer life because you're never closer to God than you are your prayer life. A person's prayer life determines how close they are to God. And if you don't spend time with God in prayer, you don't know him. You're just trying hard to not be something you don't want to be rather than becoming what you want to become. And I want to challenge you in your prayer life. Don't, don't get desperate. Uh, I, mean, I mean, don't get discouraged and despair, but get desperate in prayer. Matthew 15, and it's way too long to put on the scripture, but it's the story of a Gentile lady. She is a Canaanite. Many of you know the story. And, and Jesus did not die on the cross yet, so he's still only sent to the Jewish people. He's not to touch a Canaanite person. They're not to come near him. They're considered the low class, the nobodies of society. And she hears that Jesus is in town, and she comes to Jesus, and she screams out at him. She says, Lord, I need you to come to my house 
and I need you to heal my daughter. She's possessed by a devil. And she kept yelling it out. And Jesus, the Bible says, if you look at the scriptures, that Jesus never responded to her. She's crying out to him, Lord, I need you to come to my house and save my daughter. She's possessed with a devil. And Jesus isn't a mile away. He's right there. He never even acted like she existed. The disciples even came to Jesus and said, Lord, we need to send her away because she won't shut up. And she's not going to stop, and she's interrupting everything that we're here to do with the Jews, and we need to send her away. She cried out again, Lord, I need you to come and have mercy on my daughter. And Jesus finally, after she's yelled over and over and over, he looked at her, and he said, I can't touch you right now, and I can't come to your house right now because I'm gonna use the word dispensation has not taken place yet, which means Calvary and Jesus dying on the cross and his blood being shed and his body being broken and him being buried in a tomb and resurrecting on the third day. That allowed him now to be available to the whole world. Whosoever will, let him come. That had not happened yet. And the, and the law said that Jesus was to have nothing to do with the uncommon or the common people, the uncommon people, the non-Jewish people. And so Jesus is now, stuck in a situation and he looks at her and he says I am sent only to the sheep of Israel and I can't help you right now do I give the food off the table to a dog come on folks think about it you just came to Jesus desperate you're crying out with everything you've got and he's got the nerve to go I can't give you nothing you're a dog That'll motivate your faith. Come on, help me in here. Because as much as we don't want to admit it, sometimes that's how we felt when Jesus didn't jump when we said jump. And can, can, I, can I give the, the food of Israel to a dog? She didn't let it bring despair in her world. She let it make her desperate because her daughter is going to die if she gives up now. And she says, yay, Lord, call me a dog if you want. I'll take dog. But even the dogs get to eat the crumbs from the master's table. She messed up the heart of Jesus right there. He's not used to that. He's used to, well, how dare you? I know you're God, but come on, how dare you? He's used to all the religious people telling him, what he's not, now he hears a Canaanite woman going, I get it, I get it. I'm as low as a dog, but you know what? If I can just get the crumbs off of your table, the master, my daughter will still be well. You can call me anything you want to call me. I just want to see my daughter healed and well. You can take me as low as you want to take me. That's okay. You can belittle me all. You, you can make me feel as low as you want to make me feel, but as long as I can get my miracle, I'm desperate enough to not care. Jesus said, I've never been moved like this. I've never heard such a thing. He said, your faith, your faith, your faith, your faith has moved heaven. And here's what Jesus did. He stepped over dispensation. He said, I'm not supposed to be here yet. The law tells me I can't come over here yet. But I just saw a mother desperate enough to cry out to me in the midst of being belittled 
and body slammed and talked down. And, and she ought to be so angry and mad at me right now, but I'm trying to, to stay within my boundaries of the law. But I just heard something that I hadn't heard before. And he said, I, I can't wait till Calvary to meet this mama where she's at. So I'm gonna step over dispensation and come over where her need is because she did not get dis discouraged in defeat, but she got desperate in prayer. And he moved past the guidelines, and he said, I'm going to meet you where you are. And he said, go on home because your daughter's well. And he healed her daughter. And I want to challenge you today. Don't quit praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop. Don't give up. They told us for 24 days to quit praying for Tommy. He's dead. There's nothing you can do that's going to bring this kid back to life. He's 100% brain dead. And, and if it wasn't for this lady on the front row that you'll hear a little bit about Sunday from Sunday, don't let her fool you. She's Satan's worst nightmare. I'm telling you. Y'all don't know how blessed y'all are to have a first lady like that. Because when she prays, hell pays attention and so does heaven. When I, when I have a situation in my life, I've got many pastor friends that pastor churches of 10, 15,000. They're not the first people I call. She is. Because I call her God's favorite daughter. Just because they got this thing going on. You know what I'm saying? But I'm telling you, you got to come to a place that you get so desperate that you don't care what they're telling you. You don't care the report they're telling you. You don't care how professional they are. You don't care how right they might be because medically they were right. Tommy was dead. God's word says he shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord, and we begin to pray that scripture, and we begin to pray that word. And many millions or thousands of people did. It wasn't just our prayer, it was many. And I wanna challenge you tonight that when your prayers go unanswered, keep praying. Don't take matters in your own hand because you just interrupted God's miracle in your life. Delays aren't always denials. There's spiritual resistance taking place in our prayers, and we cannot get this place of being discouraged, but we've got to get desperate and believe God for that miracle and that breakthrough to come. And all things are working together for the good. Come on, say it with me before we go. All things. Tell your neighbor to your right, all things. Even the things I don't get right now, all things. Tell the neighbor on your left, all things are working together for your good. In Jesus' name, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep expecting. And I'm going to wait till my miracle comes. And that's what Job said in closing. Job said, I wait for my appointed time. I'll wait. He's got a calendar in heaven. He's got a date set for me, and my miracle's coming. And Job said, I'll wait for my appointed time. Here's what he said, because on my appointed time, my change will come. God's got an appointment with you in heaven. He's got the date for your breakthrough. It's just, am I going to persevere until that date gets here? He's got your answer. He's got your breakthrough. He's got your miracle already assigned to you. 
The question is, am I going to give up, take matters in my own hand, get frustrated and quit and mad and all that, or am I just going to stay faithful, steadfast, unmovable, and persistent and wait for my miracle to come? In Jesus' name. I'm going to close with this for the third closing. <laughs> going back old school here, aren't we, Ryan? Come on, preacher, preach. Let me tell you what I've learned in my 37 years of preaching. It's when I'm praying, I did it today. I, every day I go somewhere and, and I call out Javen to God. Every day I go somewhere away from the church and I just get along with God and I just hand him to God again and again and again and again. But I've learned this in my 37 years of pastoring when I don't see God moving the way I expect or think he should in my behalf. And I know he holds Javen right in the palm of his hand. He's working his will out. Whatever that is, we're going to trust him. I know what I'm believing for. But I've learned this. If I stay focused on just my need, I get caught up and lost in it. And when I pray and I'm praying for God to meet a specific need in my life, and that hasn't happened yet, I need to focus on somebody else's need. I need to focus on praying for somebody else's situation, not just mine, which I do anyway, but I pastor a church. But I have to intentionally go, God, I give it to you. I've handed it to you. I trust you with it. So it, that's a done deal with me. So I'm believing you for this now. I'm, I'm believing you for Debbie's situation. Debbie, Debbie needs a miracle in her life. I'm praying for Anya right now, God, that you'll bring that breakthrough that she needs in her life right now, God. You begin to call out on somebody else and you just open the door for your miracle to come. You just open the door. You just got God's attention again. That it's not all about just me, God. It's about my brothers and sisters too. So this help you tonight? Help you a little bit? What do we do when our prayers go unanswered? Stand with me tonight.